welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we will talk about line drive rate leaders and anti-leaders and discuss some unanswered questions we still have going into the playoffs and in preparation for next year. There's a lot to unpack in this one, so listen through to the end. But before we get to all the good stuff, Alexander, how you doing? Matt, I'm doing pretty well today. How about yourself? I'm doing well as well, as well, well as well, well as well. Timmy fell in the well. <laughs> no, no. no um, that's, that's that's bad. That's that's not well. That's when things are not going well. Um, we should stop saying that word now, right? I think we might have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've met our quota. Um, no, things are good. I uh, think things are, are very good. So, uh, anyway, um, anything, any stories you have, you want to tell? Um, a little bit of one. Uh, did I tell you that, uh, you know, that home league that I talk about sometimes mm, I, yes. uh, I, I quit it a week ago oh uh, my basically goodness. right after we recorded. Yeah. Um, our commissioner kicked someone out. So I left, um, oh. in solidarity yeah, free league. Yeah. It, it, there was no vote. So mm. I now uh, don't really have a team that I like feel strongly about because I'm not in any dynasty leagues and the season is over. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to feel <laughs> strong true. feelings about anything else. that's like still going on, but only kind of. Yeah, that's true. Um, I have a dynasty league, which uh, was I was I should have been much better this year. It was not good, not a good year for that league. But it's it's interesting. It keeps you and invested i guess and i have one home league that i'm in the championships of so we'll see how that goes that's the, that's the team that i was telling you i started oh four and one and uh and oh. i'm in the championship so that's kind of a nice little turnaround i'll uh i'll take a little a little uh moment moment to celebrate that even if i lose it's still a big win i think starting starting oh four and one and getting to the championship yeah yeah i i really really feel bad for anyone who like you know this will come up friday People will be able to set their lineups for Sunday for like the weekly matchups for like the last. If you have more than one week left, though, mm, yeah. yeah, I only have about the capacity for about a what like nine or ten more days of meaningful baseball, and after yeah. that, you get to the point where, um, okay, okay, I went and saw Patrick Corbin in 2019 for two starts of the last like his last two starts of the season, uh-huh. and um, now he's bad now, um, mm. mind you. In 2019, he was good, and then that's won good. the World yeah. Series, mind you. Um, but I, I saw his last two starts, and the lineups that he was pitching against, uh, against, I think, Cleveland and Philly, were just horrendous. And we're getting mm-hmm. to the point where, um, you know, Patrick Corbin might actually be able to look like a good pitcher again based off of the lineups he'll be facing. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, true. That's true. Yeah, I, I, the last week of the season is brutal. Uh, I think this is a conversation people have in football, too, where a lot more fantasy football leagues do not use the last week of the season. Um, I think baseball, it's the same. I mean, you just, there's nothing worse than having your studs sitting and having the guys that you managed to scrape together for that last week, impacting who wins a championship. Now, a thing that I am very curious about is whether the change in the September call-up rules will lead to some combination of more players actually going on the IL mm-hmm. for phantom industry, like industries, injuries, <laughs> the, uh, the LA and, Dodgers and with their pitchers scheme, you know, but like typically the complaint is that teams just won't play someone on the IL because they don't need to, because they have 40 players yeah, on their active that's roster. It's true. Now you're seeing right now, a lot of teams are calling up 
players to triple a because the triple a season is still ongoing mm-hmm. um i'm curious to see whether or not some of those triple a players make their way to mlb rosters for like the last week of the season if you know they're already on the four of you man they have they've already like moved up and down you know like it wouldn't like yeah, yeah, burn yeah. any of their options and like be a service time thing and we end up with like de facto that but because those active rosters are a little smaller it's possible that we don't see like whole like starting lineups rested and more like people play four games and like half the team rests every day yeah or four games and only only two at bats or something either way it's an it's a negative impact on what got you there um hopefully it's less so but i mean yeah i mean if you've got a stacked team and uh, or uh, this is the other side of it too it's not even just necessarily roster size which is a fair point but it's also which teams are in it and and trying to win and which teams just don't care or maybe they care enough to play spoiler or something but anyway it's bad it's not great um my my league uses it but uh they are at least two weak matchups so it's a little bit lessened uh, than if it was just outright. Anyway, we don't have to belabor this particular point, but um, you shouldn't really play the last week of the season in fantasy if you can help it. Yeah, I'm. It's one of those problems that's so easily solved that anyone who complains about teams resting players is like, I feel like just way lost the plot. It's really easy <laughs> to fix. Yeah, you should be going after your commissioner to change that setting. Um. Uh, the only obviously roto leagues it's different right you're gonna play those out but oh yeah at this point that fair. last week shouldn't matter all that much either um mm-hmm. yeah. cause you've got a hundred and whatever games of under your anyway we're we are definitely beating this dead horse so uh i think we should probably move on from this discussion but last week of playoffs bad um i will say this as we are entering into actual real baseball playoffs it is and i think this is something we'll kind kind of come back to it's nice to start to feel like I can really kind of root for exciting baseball without having to worry about whether there are fantasy implications. Uh, it's a little bit more of a relaxing way to enjoy uh, uh, enjoy baseball. Um, I don't normally do this, but I'm, I'm going to pause here and make sure everything's okay. It sounded like, like a bolt fell out of the desk that you're using. Everything all right over there? Um, I have a cat who really wants some attention right now. And I think something <laughs> fell. We are we are a okay on my end. Okay, as long as something isn't about to collapse on you. You're holding up the desk with one hand while uh, while trying to pod. That's uh, oh that's no, not I'm just petting a cat with one hand while trying to pod. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, give that cat some attention, and uh, let's talk a little bit in our uh, what I'm going to call our bell ringer, um, even though we've kind of been talking like we've had our bell rung with all of our wells and goods and all of that um let's uh let's talk a little bit about a debut down in tampa uh shane uh boz which i was not 100 percent sure on how to pronounce until uh the the rays uh social media put out a graphic um basically putting his name in place of oz uh, with a wizard of oz reference <laughs> Um, which is kudos to them for, for being clever about telling us how to pronounce his name. Uh, so yeah, Shane like that. Boz and his debut, because I think there's actually, I mean, for as much as any one start can tell you anything about anybody, which side note is not very much, hardly ever. Uh, this is intriguing for a couple of reasons, and I'm going to let you kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm always cribbing someone's numbers, I guess. Uh, in this case, <laughs> I'm... 
course. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to give note to um, the stuff plus basically input numbers that uh, Max Bay, um, mm-hmm. who, if you don't know his name, but you listen to Rates and Barrels, you know his work because a lot mm. of the stuff plus stuff that Eno uses is, you know, based off of a lot of the stuff that Max uses and makes um, was just, well, Max's model and Max and, and you know, and, and, and people like them are just raving about how incredible um, Shane's uh, fastball and slider both were. Mm-hmm. And, well, it, it's kind of the sort of thing where, like, the traditional we're checking in on this guy numbers are just kind of hilariously not useful. Um, like, you shouldn't be trying to quote his like csw numbers or anything like that (laughs) no i mean like they're interesting he had a fine start um he went five innings and he got five strikeouts against uh who who did he debut against and i'm blanking toronto toronto yeah yeah that's right not not a light hitting lineup yeah yeah exactly And, and mind you that is a bit of a right-handed lineup and chain is a righty so he gets like the platoon bonus as a pitcher um so that's kind of like the the only like knock you could possibly give him <laughs> but yeah I, i'm not like outright interested in things like his strikeout rate it was 29 percent. that's pretty good um or you know you shouldn't care about things like his hard hit rate it was 50 percent. again i don't care but it was kind of yeah. funny to just like note all of these numbers yeah, 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 that yeah, are right. just completely like fun with numbers that because don't matter it's one <laughs> it's one start right um I did like the fact, though, that, you know, it's only 44% fastball usage in that first start. And they, on average, basically, at the top of the zone. And that slider is basically right at the bottom. He has a curveball that he's mixing in. He mixes in 15% of the time. That's 10 pitches. He threw 10 of them. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I'm really interested to see what he's going to have to look like whenever he needs to throw that curveball more because he's facing more left-handed batters who are a threat. But this is a really encouraging start, and his stuff looks really nasty, and he throws, like, he averaged a 97 on his fastball. Um, That's really good. That slider, I think, can tick up past, like, the 87 that it was, if he needs it to. Yeah, and, like, it's it's good. It's a good mix. And the things we need to care about going forward are going to be, like, does his stuff continue to mirror perfectly? Like his mm-hmm. fastball and curve mirror really perfectly. Does it move like crazy? Do people do dumb things against it? Yeah. Now he he won't, I think, give up two home runs every start for the rest of his life either. Yeah, so right, uh, right. yeah, I, I think we can definitely be excited about it. He's that. not gonna face a Blue Jays lineup that like the one that they put out against him every start of his career either. I think uh uh, and you can tell me if you think this is a dumb take, but I think that when you're looking at something like this, what you're you're hoping for is not necessarily that that his stuff is a certain velocity or how many strikeouts he got. Like again, they're interesting, but did he go out and get lit up, or did he go out and have a confident start with some real good highlights? And I think it's very easy to say that it was the the latter, not the former. Um, and it's not to say that he's never going to have a bad game, but seeing a kid come up and and um, go out there with the confidence he he shown against a team as potent as as the the Blue Jays to strike out Vladdy, that's got to be a, a good feeling for for a kid coming up with somebody who's putting up a, an almost MVP season, which side note would be an MVP season if it wasn't for some guy in uh, California who's been doing some amazing things on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I think it's encouraging because he didn't 
look bad. Um, not necessarily because the numbers were amazing, but because he he looked good. There are some other things that are like anecdotal, but really cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he had at least one uh, PA I saw where he's like behind the count. I think it was 2-0, might have been 3-0. And he went back to back slider in the zone, hmm. which is uh, a really ballsy and beautiful play. <laughs> and then just went like fastball cheese and got the K. Um, yeah. And that's great stuff. Like, that's the sort of stuff where a guy knows he has really really effective stuff and is just willing to dare the opposing player to do something to it he's not putting it like hiding below the zone in you know you have to go below the zone and try to fool someone but you know sometimes you're like way over nibbling and afraid like this guy was attacking batters who are good batters right and he will continue to get more effective at like all of the little things that make people with good stuff into big pitcher or big big time pitchers right um well, would hope Tampa's got at least a track record of trying to do that and seemingly being pretty effective. Um, and yeah, there's also just just like one last really catastrophic and terrible irony. If you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, please um just go ahead and skip forward like about thirty seconds here. <laughs> um, he uh he made his debut in part because uh Chris Archer was added to the injured list, and he and also Tyler Glasnow and also mm-hmm. austin meadows um you know are, are all in tampa for that same trade and also now chris archer again even He's though he's back there. yeah so they're they're all there uh yeah sorry pittsburgh um if that turns out to be the shane baz trade um yeah oof oof yeah sorry, i mean pittsburgh. listen it, it very rarely does something work out that poorly in the long run where all of oh, the yeah. talent you oh, give yeah. up turns out to be really good talent, but um, it doesn't mean that it stinks any less when it does. Uh, it yeah, does so mean I, we listen, remember it more. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, I think a lot of exciting things to come, and that Tampa Bay team could be good for a while, uh, even even with their track record of like getting good and and maybe then the talent kind of goes and getting good again, and the talent kind of goes. They've got a lot of young talent and. Um, they could be good for a while, especially, and we'll, we'll we'll touch on this as we move into the episode later on. But especially with the shenanigans of the AL East and uh, the the old stalwarts in Boston and New York doing their weirdo things this year. Uh, let's talk a little bit numbers of the week. I think this is going to be fun, um, and this is going to be uh, top five and bottom five in one of your favorite stats to quote. Uh, in terms of it doesn't matter. So more fun with numbers that don't mean anything but might. Um, and that's uh, the top five in line drive percentage and the bottom five in line drive percentage as of this recording, September 21st at 9, 12 p.m. Um, I think it's more interesting to talk about who's on this list that uh, I let me let me try and say this a, a different way. I think it's l- less interesting to talk about the actual line drive percentages and whether the numbers matter because we've established pretty clearly that they usually don't. Um, but who is on that list and how they might matter because of the context. Uh, so I'm just going to go through these top five and then you tell me what stands out to you. Uh, top five in line drive percentage, meaning the the most most line drives top not i guess make that context clear as best we can 
or without the visualization of the faces that we just made at each other on Zoom. Uh, the number one in line drive percentage, and these are stats from Baseball Reference, yes? Uh, StatCast. StatCast, okay. StatCast data, so that you can go ahead and look at these uh, yourselves um, at home. Uh, number one is Adam Frazier. Number two is Miles Straw. Number three is Yoan Moncada. Number four, Nick Castellanos. And number five, Xander Bogarts. Who jumps out at you on that list and why? I think Adam Frazier has to be like the most standout standout. If it, I think especially because a lot of that like lead he built up was when he was playing a lot in the mm-hmm. first half of the season and hitting a ton of line drives. And there are definitely a subset of baseball viewers who would tell you that is his approach and that is his talent and that is what he's trying to do. And what I would tell them is, LOL, no, have you seen him in San Diego? <laughs> and have you seen what's happened in San Diego? Yeah, um, it's just not a talent. It, it is something that people wish they had as a talent. It is not a talent. Um, yeah, we're, we're seeing something on the order of like a 10% year-over-year correlation. Uh, that is really bad. That is much worse than most of like the pitcher contact metrics that we are having arguments over where they matter at all. So like we have more confidence that pitchers are controlling how much home runs they give up basically than mm. we do that batters control how many line drives they hit. And we don't really trust that pitchers control the home runs all that much. Um, by the way, on the pitching side of this, even a bigger mess. Just it's all random. And you said it doesn't matter. It matters a ton in terms of Things like batting average, things like effectively your woba sure, and x. Sure, sure, sure. So it, yeah. it matters like it, in the it way that home factors, runs as much, right? But it, like, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's doubles and singles. It, if I, I guess should have clarified in terms of like it doesn't necessarily matter in terms of uh, is this guy going to be able to do it? Like he figured it out. His line drive rate is up, so he's going to be good again next year. I, that's not necessarily a correlation you can make, but it is something that can explain why. He has had other outlier performances. It's just in terms of whether or not that's something you can count on moving forward. Uh, the the idea that Adam Frazier is going to be that good next year, uh, it's probably not going to happen, right? And if you right. pay for it, you're going to be overpaying for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there are a handful of people who have demonstrated they have a little bit more of a skill for this, but not that many. Um I believe in the long run, Freddie Freeman has demonstrated an above average ability to hit line drives. But like, do you know how good Freddie Freeman is? Yeah, right, like, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So like Nick Castellanos, I would right. I would buy that he could average a 27% line drive, right? He's at 30. Now, that mm-hmm. three extra percent explains why he's got like a 292 XBA like regress him back a little bit to like 280 or so. And like, you've got probably what I'd believe in. Um, Nick Castellanos is also someone that we would call a guy who hits a whole lot of line drive esque barrels to center field, which haven't always traditionally turned into home runs. So like it's part of his profile. Now, you know, if, if you go farther down this list, you see some guys who like, you know, having a really, really excellent year. Like uh, Josh Harrison's pretty high in this list. And like, is he that good? I'd have some questions. By the way, if you want to repeat, if you want to repeat any of this yourself, you can uh, pull this uh, by going to like the custom leaderboards on Statcast and just adding it to your um, uh, things. 
they do have also sweet spot rate is a very strongly correlated other thing that doesn't really turn over all that well. And I just want to point out there are some other guys that like are showing up really high on both of these lists I'm scared about. So Miles Straw is up high on both of those lists. So is his teammate Kyle Tucker, who has just been mm. excellent this year, has like a 308 XBA. Be careful with some of these guys. It's very easy to repeat this research. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to rely on me to like, tell you what the numbers are. You go find it yourself and then go like circle all the guys in like ATC projections that you can guarantee the numbers, which are blind to this sort of stuff, will, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll be baked in, right? Um, yeah, they're not fully, fully blind, but like, yeah, you know, I, I think the bat X might have a little bit better job sorting through some of this stuff. But if you're using an aggregator where like a bunch of the inputs are not going to have this stuff, things are going to be bad. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, let's look at the bottom five, because I think that there are a couple of very interesting names on this list. And let me let me ask you this before we start. Do you think that um, if we're saying that, that uh, line drive percentage or rate is not necessarily a demonstrable skill, I think we can more safely say that the people who are at the bottom of this list have had some sort of skill drop-off in terms of just being able to make contact, right? It, it probably is a little bit more accurate to say that if somebody is suddenly li- hitting line drives at a significantly less rate, something else is going on. Yeah? Now, that's totally possible. I, I want to pull out one of these guys. Uh, have you already read all of them? Off? I haven't. I'll do that now so that we can talk about them. Um, I'm going to do this in reverse order because I think we need like a drum roll uh, leading into the the, the, the worst line drive rate of qualifiers. That's who we have here, right? Qualifiers. Um, yes. So the fifth worst was Ian Happ. Fourth worst, Eugenio Suarez, who we've talked about in previous episodes. Uh, third worst, Adam Duvall. Uh, second worst, Raimel Tapia. And the number one worst line drive percentage amongst qualifiers. Drrr, that's the, uh, the Christmas vacation drum roll drrr, for people of a certain age. Uh, that would be Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo with the worst line drive percentage among qualifiers. He's been pretty abysmal since coming over to the Yankees. Um, talk to me a little bit about Joey Gallo here because we've talked and sung his praises a lot this uh, on this pod throughout the the season. This is uh, this is not a great look for Mr. Gallo. Um, one of my favorite Joey Gallo stats is that uh, post trade he hit his second career sack fly. <laughs> it feels that's like it a, can't be true yeah right it doesn't feel like it can be true that's that's um it is it is somehow true um yeah joey gallo is well he has a higher barrel rate than line drive rate which also feels like it shouldn't be possible yeah right um yeah so this is actually a case where i do sort of prefer sweet spot rate sometimes um, because Joey Gallo's sweet spot rate at 30% is still bad, but not as abysmal as his line drive rate would, would indicate. So uh, the guy I actually want to talk about here is second place, Ryan Maltapia, because he's got a 20% sweet spot rate. This year, Tapia has really changed his, like, I don't know, something about his approach. I want to see if I can pull this out in particular, but he's sitting at a 13.4% strikeout rate. That's 5% less than last year and like almost 10% less than 2019, um, which 
which tells me that you actually might be onto something. Maybe he's making more contact overall, but keeping the same number of line drives as he maybe previously had. Mm. Yeah. So his zone contact is way, way up. So uh, yeah, I would assume he's changed his swing and is maybe going for maybe something more like a, like a slap ish style some of the time. Cause he's really fast. Well, line drive and, rate is left handed is going to, uh, your bat speed is going to matter, right? Because velocity I, matters, isn't that how it's calculated? That it's a line drive. No, it's just launch Somebody's angle. A, oh, it's only launch angle. Yeah, line drive rate is exclusively launch angle. Um, so yeah, Joey Gallo doesn't hit line drives because he hits fly balls. Um, Ian Happ doesn't hit line. You can see where this goes. Now, sure. part of that is approach, but still, a lot of the best fly ball hitters also hit some line drives. You, wait, um, we, you, you, you got to back up for a second because this is actually blowing my mind, and, and maybe it's embarrassing that I didn't know this, but I'll be embarrassed. That's fine. A line drive. If you're a baseball fan, when you hear line drive, what do you picture? You're not picturing a launch angle. You're thinking like, how hard did that guy hit that ball? Like you don't. I guess they call them looping line drives. I don't know that that actually blows my mind that it's just it's purely launch angle. It has nothing to do with how hard you've hit the ball. So. I, I it, it does make more sense to me that that's not something you have control over. Yeah, exactly. And and the net result of that is, you know, a lot of guys um, you know, it, it trades off year to year. You might have more line drives one year when your fly ball rate or your ground ball rate like you know, fluctuates. Um, but yeah, and that's the thing like how often can you hit the ball like so perfectly that it drops over the second baseman's head and you just like walk at first base? If you could do that for a living, you would win the MVP every year. Yeah, um, right, right, right. I mean, the the degree of difference in in where the ball is making contact with the bat has got to be tiny, tiny margins, right? The, oh, yeah. In terms of oh, yeah. ang- angle coming off of a bat, two spherical things hitting each other. At, at, with a ball that's coming at you at 95 miles an hour and darting all over the place. I mean, that's okay. Well, there you go. There you have it. Yeah. Now, sweet spot rate in Savant. And I like this one because it's much easier to explain. Yep. Basically, if you just said, okay, nerds, get me all of the combinations of like velocity and angle that like almost always lead to hits. And then they just like said, okay, here they are. And that's what sweet spot rate is. Um, it's just how often did you hit the ball so that I want to pull the exact marker, but it's like, I think it's like greater than 50% XBA or something like that. Let me get the exact thing there because it's, uh, it's a pretty cool idea. Actually, uh, earlier in the year, um, I was doing some research with, uh, Tommy Pham and how he was his Historically, I don't know if it's actually historic, but, you know, like exceptionally <laughs> and stupidly unlucky on his sweet spot contact yeah, right. and how that was just like, there is no other word for that. That is bad luck. And that's what's got me on this kick is like, why is Tommy Pham available on my like waiver wire? Right. Isn't he good? And he was not good at that moment. Um, and yeah, that's what's kind of got me on this. So that's why I really like it. Yeah. So it's. um, Yeah. Sweet spot. Okay, let's see if I can get exactly what it is. Um, nope, it's just balance between 8 and 32 degrees of launch angle. Yeah, so if you look at those, like the WOBA there, you don't have to care about exit velocity. Like the expected WOBA on those is like 
almost uniformly above 500. Okay, let me ask um, you this question because now I'm down my own rabbit hole in my head and I'm only half listening to what you're saying because I'm too busy in my own brain and I'm sorry about that. Um, I probably shouldn't have said that part out loud. That's the quiet part. Um, oh, you're good. If I buy it. What, what stat does, besides barrels, what stat does combine launch angle with something that seems to me to be a little bit more of a skill, which would be uh, velocity? Is it just barrels? Yeah, pretty much. It feels um, to me like there's a there's a market inefficiency there for a stat that... Um, uh, well, there's blasts, which is like super barrels. Um, but the reason why you only have those combination is because something that looks like barrels is pretty much the only thing that could matter. And that's because you really only want to care about hard hit balls. Um, anything that's not hard hit is basically like uniformly regardless of launch angle uh, actually i should say not regardless of launch angle there are line drives that can be not hard hit that are uh really really valuable but um basically it works so that like almost everything except for those that's hit under about 95 miles an hour is not guaranteed to be an out but like extremely unlikely to be all that worth caring about that's why we care about things like hard hit rate and that's why i care about things like hard hit per pa because then you know you can basically just combine strikeout rate with like your soft hit per pa and those are like wasted plate appearances Mm -hmm. and walks plus your hard hit per pa those are your plate appearances where you're doing something that is on average going to be quite valuable i guess my my point is that that hard hit number can still include ground balls um Sure, right? it can, but you don't control that, and that's why going forward, you don't control it that much. You, you kind of do, right? Like so, I, I somewhere in there, I don't know. Again, I'm just thinking on the fly here, so I'm sorry about wasting any airtime. But oh no, it, this is it, a certain like I have to be able to tell you why it works because like, and I'm not saying if that I the can't stats, tell you why it works. You know? Yeah, sure. I'm not saying that the stats that we have don't work. I think what I'm what what it feels like to me is that there's a there's a spot in the middle of this swirling storm of numbers that is missing that would maybe more accurately be something that's like a kind of like a barrel more like a line drive rate that includes velocity but eliminates ground balls i don't know something that that because i feel like that you want like sub barrels basically maybe maybe because um, the problem with that is wouldn't like, that be more d- correlated though to a person's ability no that's the problem okay is because yeah, <laughs> i like how we just boiled that down to no no nope, like, you're totally wrong matt you are yeah you're asking up the for like tree. sweet spot balls that are hit like less than barrel power but still pretty hard and maybe that's like sweet spot above 90 miles per hour but i guess again those aren't home runs hairs. And those aren't hits any more than like the rest of the. I think I'm just feeling betrayed by line drive percentage, and I'm grasping at straws for to find some meaning here while I'm reeling at the fact that line drives doesn't actually mean that the ball was hit hard. So I'm going to let that go for the benefit of everybody listening, and and we can move on uh, this discussion. Is there anything else from from these either top five or bottom five that really stands out to you? Um. Yeah, I, I would say that it's it's really important to just go back and look at how many of these guys who you've just been really, really angry at, like have been doing a lot of the right things. And then what you should do is you should go look at their career numbers for these sorts of things. 
I looked at Rimmel Tapia because I'm curious. Like, is this real? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it won't be. I'm sure he'll come back next year and have like a 24% line drive rate. And I'll be like, okay, well, whatever. Baseball is random. Yay. Yeah. But like <laughs> Eugenio Suarez or Ian Happ, who have had just really, really depressing years, mm-hmm. like have to feel bad. Does it make them personally feel better for them to say, well, actually, Ian, it looks like your numbers indicate that you've been really unlucky on your contact quality and you'll probably regress to the mean. I'm sure that doesn't help at all. And I'm Maybe sure a very small actually comfort, regression but... to the mean means adjustment. Right. Like, I'm right. sure that's the case to a degree. And I or like some healing from an out. injury. You know, there's yes. always that too. Um, fixing your timing in some way. Right. Fixing right. A mechanical yourself in adjustment. Some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, uh, that was. I think that was a fun exercise, and I am sorry for my mind being blown there and, and being so consumed with it. I'm still not over it, but I'm gonna move on with my life. Oh, one last thing. One okay. last thing. Shohei Otani. Yeah. Terrible end drive rate as a hitter this year. <laughs> so if there rate if there fine. could be more evidence that line drive rate really is, it's interesting sometimes in context, but it's certainly not the end all be all. If your entire argument about drafting or not drafting a guy is based on that, you probably should be looking at other numbers as well. Well, I would say the other way that that would actually work is your argument for drafting someone would be based on that without you knowing it. And that's why it's worth checking it out and Fair. just kind of like flagging yeah. here are the guys that will probably yeah. come back to earth. If you and, sort you know, by batting average, you might be getting a guy who had a, an unsustainable line drive rate built into it. X batting average, X WOBA. That's why these things aren't Exist. stable because yeah. they're yeah. going to like build in these broken accidents basically of baseball. Sure. That are great and fun, and, and we want more of them. Like, I just want the perfect want... numbers, Alex. Just give me the perfect number, please. You know, like, when people say that they just want, like, balls in play and, like, you know, like, manufacturing offense by, like, hitting singles over the shortstop's head, what they're asking for is for baseball players to learn how to hit line drives, like, all of the time. Right, right, right. And LMAO. Like, yeah. no. It's, well, <laughs> yeah. First of all, is is it even possible? Second of all, I don't know that that's... That's even the goal at this point, right? The whole, everything about offense and baseball is built around a completely different approach. Uh, anyway, uh, another point that we have belabored, but I think I actually think that that's a very good one because it's informative in terms of like keep things in context and make sure you understand that context and you're not just guessing at what that context is. Uh, let's talk about what the crux of, of our episode was supposed to be about, even though we're probably past the halfway point before we were even talking about it, but that's okay. And that's uh, questions that we still have, uh, some of which we might get a little insight into in the last uh, 10 days of the regular season and the playoffs, but more often than not, we'll have to look into next year to see what's going on and keep our eye on. And, and that's... Uh, uh, we've got four or five things here that are still maybe a little bit hard to to pin down, and we can't really point to specific numbers. We can have an idea. Um, so I'm going to let you pick here. We have we have a few set aside in our, our show notes, and I'm going to let you kind of roll with whichever one you want to start with. Okay. So the first thing that I want to talk about, and I think it kind of introduces exactly what I mean in a way that like everyone is probably properly associated with and affiliated with, is um, just having absolutely no idea whatsoever the Giants are going to do next year. Yeah. How many of these guys I can believe in? Who's going to stick around any of that? 
And I, I want to kind of wrap this up in like a couple different instances that are more concrete than just kind of like a, a general, I have no idea which guys I should be drafting like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like who's not going to get platooned. Uh, I, I want to particularly um, talk about their old infielders. Uh, it, 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 is that a polite way to call, say it? Is, it well, it depends on what that? you mean. Do you mean like previously with the Giants or they are of a certain age as baseball players? Oh, I mean uh, of a certain age as baseball players. So then, yes, it's mean, but it's okay. Go ahead. Okay. So like Brandon Belt been just absolutely phenomenal over the past two years kind of has been platooned he's a lefty though so his numbers look pretty good but the vo- has the volume always been there it's actually been okay i don't know what i'm supposed to do with that is brandon crawford who has not been platooned for the most part this year is a lefty you know he's gonna turn 35 this offseason um yeah is what's his deal going to be for next year evan longoria just turned 36 what's his deal going to be for next year by the way evan longoria is a righty uh, mm. he's just torn up i also can't right, believe so he's, he's only like, 36 i know that that's like right. not the age you want when you're drafting but it feels like he's been around for 30 years he does have 12 uh, he will hit 13 years of service time like mm. when he sneezes again uh so yeah like maybe he already did wow okay yeah so where i'm going with this though is like not just like a hey are these gonna gonna fall off a cliff but also like do these guys have any semblance of roles? If you're someone like me who believes them being healthy and productive for the last two weeks of the season is evidence enough that they are not hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, right. If I am going to walk out of the playoffs this year, potentially with the giants, however they exit, not having any of these three guys hurt. Can I believe that any of them are going to have a role next year? And like, that's basically my problem. I, I want to talk about how like, these sorts of players and a lot of the other like bit part players around this team have just been so confusing to consistently get a read on because 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 the giants you can believe have been exceptionally good at changing how players are expressing their true talent levels we talk about teams just getting the most out of how good guys are but it almost seems like something was happening in san francisco before like the current like management arrived mm-hmm galaxy brain gabe kapler was like handed a set of magical instructions that turned all of these guys better i don't know if i can actually trust that because that doesn't typically happen i don't know if they're just going to decide to do that with someone else instead and it's the sort of like maddening how does this affect your priors if you're someone who's like trying to be smart can't do you throw it all out the window that sort of stuff that's just really really difficult to parse um so I I do think that a lot of these sorts of topics that we're going to bring up today are more of a wish list for things we wish we had answers for. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair way of saying it. Um, and I do really, really like want to make sure that as we kind of get into the early mock draft season and eventually the projection season, this is the sort of stuff where it's like every little bit of like scraping. Uh, statements out there from Gabe Kapler and everyone else about who's going to be back and all that. I'm going to be just ready to snatch up. Mm-hmm. But also, like, because it's all just so fleeting and random, I really, really want to see this Giants team make it to the divisional round in some form or fashion mm-hmm. so that we can, like, get more of this just 
almost like impossible like run that they seem like they're on but also seems like it's pretty real yeah yeah let me ask you a question what do you think is more likely that this is just a a whole bunch of guys putting it together at the same time being very lucky as a group or new people have brought in kind of a new mentality whether that's strength and conditioning or whether that is uh analytics or whether that's just they all really like uh Gabe Kapler, you know, I mean, I have to imagine that a team that really respects and supports their manager is going to perform better. I mean, not necessarily because they're tanking for a bad player, but I, I mean, we've all had bosses out there, I think, in our lifetimes where are people in authority over us and um, how they treat us and, 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 you know, how we have a relationship back and forth does have an impact. I, I, so what do you think is the more likely outcome? To me, it seems like there's been a substantive change that we're just not privy to. Uh, but I suppose it could just be one of those things where everybody just kind of come together and gelled and it just happens to ha- be happening for all of them at the same time. What are your thoughts? I I think the thing that like comes to mind when I'm trying to explain this, uh, and, and just follow this weird ride for a second if you can try. I, of course. Um, uh, always an invitation uh, to just like see where I'm going to go with something. Uh, a lot of the discussion that we've heard from some of the Rockies players about how they better prepare for games away from home and coming back to home, I feel like is one of the really instructive, oh yeah, coaching really matters even when people already know how to play baseball. Sure. Like, we're not just talking about development. We're talking about like game planning. We're talking mm-hmm. about like the sort of like ongoing consistent adjustment as your body changes, as you get older, all of those sorts of elements, right? All the things that the players I, shouldn't need to be thinking about because they need to be thinking about on the field. You need to have good right. minds thinking about the off the field stuff. Right. Well, it's the sort of thing. It's like, when you see an organization like Codify offering a product to their players, but you know who has more access and you know probably more data about players? Their teams. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it strikes me as though like a lot of these sort of like adjacent to baseball, not necessarily the organizations, not necessarily the players themselves, like data analytic e services, which definitely have a market. Like you should as a player should be able to like get a second opinion just like you do for your elbow um, right you know, like, yeah it's like, not a knock they, on those services right it's just a little shocking like, that but they, they would... should be at a disadvantage right yeah it should be the case that if baseball was mostly well run that people like brandon crawford would not need to go to them right um and brandon crawford has been really really good this year um he has, let me cite some numbers because that's just the most fun way to talk about how good a baseball player has been, right? Um, yeah, he's going to have had a 376 Woba this year. Um, his walk rate is above 10% for the first time since baseball existed. And by that, I mean since StatCast existed. <laughs> Everything pre-StatCast is fake. Um, yeah, his strikeout rates back down below 20%. Those are all based off of adjustments that don't happen because your body is getting faster and stronger. No, it might actually be that. Maybe they are conditioning them better. But typically, when you are getting older those things don't magically get better right you know what's been crazy is brandon crawford's line drive rate is the lowest it has been since stat cast has tracked that he's hitting at 23.7 percent. he has been above 24.9 oh my god what a caveat uh every single year otherwise uh like his sweet spot rate looks like pretty it's pretty normal this is him hitting the ball much harder and also just 
going in with a better approach. That doesn't happen. And that has to, in my mind then, be the product of them doing things to actively help people play the game better. Yeah. And it, that's it's just insane that like there there either had to be a, a regime before that was just actively harming these players careers and not just like 23 24 year olds who like need to learn how to play brandon crawford has been very very good in his career before this and has you know like not been the same like but he's has an 894 ops ops is broken i don't care whatever that's his <laughs> highest career ops he has never had a season above 800 wow yeah or you know uh Evan Longoria has been hurt for a good portion of this year, so he's kind of an imperfect case. But, like, he's got a 928 OPS. That is his highest of his career. And the highest since he's left Tampa Bay by a lot. The His last All-Star season was 2010. He is an All-Star his first three years in the league. His best of those years, he had an 879 OPS. He's beating that right now. Um yeah, it's hard to best OBP season ever. Hard to imagine that that's just dumb luck across multiple yeah. players at the same time that there was a shift in the the management. Now it's possible that he was just platooning, and that's part of it. Um, but like you know, same thing. Brandon Milt. Uh, okay, this isn't his best OPS season because he had a a one point oh one five OPS last year, so his nine thirty eight this year isn't a career best. <laughs> and yeah, he's only played ninety one games and he's platooned a little bit. He's only got three hundred and fifty PAs, so he's getting some advantages. I guess, but the flip side of that is that you, I, I know that when you're someone platooning, else gets the platoon advantage on the other side. Exactly right, and and you you only have half as many at bats to be good, and consistency is harder. So you know, it, it's. I I I don't know that you can discount the performance simply because there's a the advantage on that side of the platoon because there's other elements that that go into that kind of a role. Um, all right, let's move on to the next the next um, unanswered question that we wish we had an answer to. Uh, and I think you want to talk here a little bit about the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, this is this is the opposite direction. Um, I made some memes on pneumatic in the off season about how uh <laughs> being a tampa bay rays fan is for you know like plebeians and how the real refined ones of us were interested in the interested interesting analytical work that the, the um minnesota twins were doing i then proceeded to uh just dump like a carton of eggs on my face every single day throughout the month of april <laughs> um so yeah um my my theory is really really tinfoily, but again, walk with me. Here. Yeah, we're going down the rabbit um, hole. That's what we yeah, do yeah. here. I I I have been paying a little bit of attention uh, to which teams have seen the biggest changes in their like spin rates this year, just like everyone else's. Um, one of the interesting things is if you back up the uh, like the the this year versus last year to be literally this year versus last year rather than doing that beginning of uh june break mm. um the minnesota twins uh are an extreme outlier and uh, the minnesota twins were also horrendous in april um to the point that like you know every single person who threw for them just looked actively actively awful um i kind of think they got out ahead of everyone else and fired their goop guy early mm. um and the reason that, I, that makes me curious then is because they actually had a really interesting record in the past couple of years of developing pitching or reinvigorating pitching, yep. which 
now like you can think about invigorating pitching in a can um and you can ask garrett cole again whether or not he and everyone else have used any of that pitching in a can (laughs) and he'll take 10 minutes to tell you neither yes nor no um but i'm really curious as to what that should tell me about the minnesota twins player development operations if they now have to rebuild yeah i was very very interested in the things they were doing to change people now they had a lot of very forward-looking and interesting things they were doing like telling people to go slider first like 70 percent of the time out of the bullpen they were also really aggressive at some of the fastball up things. Jake Odorizzi looked so good for them in the second half in 2019, and I was mm. so ready for it. Kenta Maeda looked like a whole new invigorated, oh, throwing yeah. the whole kitchen sink at you. Very well sort of player that I was just ready for in all of these leagues this year. Yep. And I I don't know if, you know, them getting out ahead and then them being like roughly a 500 team post-April. Not like fully a 500 team, but being much less embarrassing. Yeah. You know, does that tell me, like, have they figured it out? Are they going to be okay next year? Are they going to be able to develop talent again or not? Because the or not is scary. Yeah, 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 <laughs> that's true. It's And so, I mean, I guess obviously the theme is uh, questions that we don't have answers to. But that's also not something that we're really going to be able to get an answer to until next year. So does that mean that you're going to be watching uh, spring training Minnesota Twins spring training pretty intently to see, um, you know, just in, in those those little bursts, what there is to see. I know spring training is not the the end all be all, but are you going to be? Are, is that like one of those teams that you're going to put a little bit more stock in what's going on in those exhibition games before the season kicks off? Oh, absolutely. And actually, one of the things is if that's what you're watching for, if you're watching for whether they can get guys to, to strike people out, um, is that watching whether or not they strike people out will matter um you know for example tyler duffy is a guy that i think is really indicative of the sort of problem that they have created for themselves i guess uh tyler duffy was not very good um and became very very good uh roughly like late 2018 early 2019 uh it was definitely the sort of guy who would anchor your save and hold leagues because his ratios were fantastic striked out a million guys and Tyler Duffy has just not been like at all watchable at times this season where it just like it during spring training this year, actually, he just looked actively bad to the point that I dropped him it like off of some of my save and hold leagues. Cause it's like, this guy just doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. And that's where this like whole theory for me basically began. Yeah, actually, no, hold on a second. Let, let me quote these numbers. Cause they're just hysterical. Okay. Um, in 2018 for Minnesota, he had a 17.8% strikeout rate. In 2019, for Minnesota, he had a 34.5% strikeout rate. That is almost twice yeah. the number of strikeouts. Um, and predictably, you know, he got better. Um, he was really good in 2020. Uh, a little bit less good, but still really good. And this year, he's standing at 23% strikeout rate. Um, and the walks are 12%, by the way. So it's like he's trying to do the same thing. So he just like can't throw the ball that well anymore. And it's just missing the zone because he is one of their guys is just like really, really secondaries first. So yeah, it's going to be stuff like all of their other reclamation projects on their roster, what they look like to see if like, you know, like everyone else league wide is kind of figure out how to pitch again um, mm-hmm. to a degree. I'm really curious um, if Minnesota can kind of like get it turned around. And, you know, you ask like, why would I care about this or fantasy if I'm not like just going to like, 
draft like who am I going to draft on the Minnesota Twins roster and they're pitching like I guess Moneda but he's hurt anyway or I don't know is he getting Tommy John I think he might be getting Tommy uh, John yeah. uh, maybe but I, the bigger I, thing is like you know that you have dynasty players you, you have players yeah. who are you're going to watch who are going to sign there and I really do actively change my expectations for how so good someone's like stuff is going to be based off of where they're land. You know, if someone's going to Cincinnati, if someone's going now, I guess to uh, the White Sox because they sniped their pitching coach from the Giants from last year. Is really good. <laughs> someone's going to the Giants. Is going. Someone's going to Tampa Bay. If someone's going to Milwaukee. Well, right the now, other side of it too is is you might get some value on these guys if you believe that this year was the fluke and next year they're going to come back right right that's that's actually something i hadn't thought about but yeah it's exactly the same sort of like application yep uh well so you mentioned the white Sox. why don't we move into to them and talk a little bit about that and then i want to make sure we get to the al east and the ridiculousness that's going on there and i think that's probably going to bring us to the end of this particular episode um but yeah let's let's talk a little bit about chicago white Sox. yeah i i think this makes for like continuing and then maybe expanding on the conversation to a degree because a lot of it is really just like can we believe that them fixing all of their pitchers is for real? Like if, if you are going to believe that the giants changes are real, I think you kind of have to also believe in, in the white Sox. Um, so you, you may be aware that the, uh, the white Sox have done some really dumb stuff with pitching in the past, right? <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. You, you do or you don't No, I do. Yeah. I, I, I that was sarcasm. Wow. Well. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they signed in, uh, Ethan Katz in the offseason, um, who was previously with the Giants in kind of like a pitching coach-ish role. Uh, Kevin Gossman got a whole lot better. Oh, very much thanks to Ethan, Ethan Katz. Um, and, you know, the White Sox have notably been a whole lot better at, at pitching this, this season. Uh, have you benefited much from that at all, by the way? I like any of your team's Personally, been better because you, like, bet it on no. them doing yeah like i didn't think it would be this simple um i didn't have any reason to believe that dylan sees would be really good or that carlos Rodon would be really good and they have been mm-hmm. um and like those were guys that we thought had some really good stuff and you know they're they're kind of just never paying it out of the minors you know how like baltimore really doesn't produce pitching prospects you know like it would really <laughs> just kind of just tell you then it's like okay the way that we scout seems like it is just not as much considering how much someone's success is determined by the people who tell them how to play the sport. And it based off of all of this wealth of like slightly more than anecdotal data, it looks like we probably do need to buy to a degree, but the problem, and this is where I think the white Sox are actually really interesting. And I do want to see how they fare is one. They play in a central division and their opponents are not good kind of part of the problem we have with the brewers except the brewers are just so far and away smoking everybody that like we do believe it and then they'll like play someone on the west coast and like you know they still strike everybody out um but more than that like some of the results and stuff there seem like there's a little bit of a wobble to it now rodon's injury issues i guess over the past Mm -hmm. like two-ish months we kind of got hurt and kind of came back and He's been throwing the ball not 97 miles an hour ever and not 95 miles an hour often enough. So he's been his old self. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's scary. Um, yeah, but if it's because, injury, injury related, yeah. at least hopefully you get um, some sort of an idea of 
what the outcome is going to be if if they're being honest and and forthright with the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're right. You're right. Ultimately, also, and this is like a a building back up season. Yeah. Right. Like nobody should be prepared to pitch as many innings as Carlos Rodon has done this year, even through injury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, how do these people do this? Um, but you know, like I have some real doubts about whether, you know, like a Dylan sees is like gains have been all that realistic, you know? And, and then like, there's also been kind of like the long run. Um, can Lance Lynn keep getting away with the issues? There's kind of like the long run is Giolito good, good, or just pretty good because his gains and everything kind of came out of nowhere and things have wobble. No, by the way, to kind of like circle back to a beginning point, do you want to know who's had just some of the worst line drive luck among pitchers this year? I do. I so want to know. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll believe you. You're not just making please, fun of me. Please don't don't keep me on the edge of my seat, Alexander. No, I, I mean, Gilito obviously has, I'm interested. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, you set no, me up you, there. All the... All the pitchers who um, have been really lucky in terms of line drives seem like they're good. I'm really curious to know if that actually is a skill that like pitchers can prevent. I would believe drives. I would believe that pitchers have more control over the quality of contact that a batter makes than I would believe that the like batter the direction of contact. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I guess quality of contact is actually a thing, right? So the the launch angle. I, I believe that yeah. the pitcher has more control over location and things like that than the batter does at, at being able to make the ball and the bat meet in a very precise way. Yep. And this is to kind of circle back to one of the last things we talked about earlier on. Um, you know, Max Bay does a lot of the stuff stuff for Eno and stuff, other stuff. people and for himself. Yeah. He works cool. You should follow him. Um, he and I, I was asking some questions on Twitter after he was bringing up line drive rate to a degree and i asked him he's like year over year correlation for pitchers for line drive rate because i was like yeah I, I can believe that story and it was just way weaker than even what it was for batters um but giolito's line drive numbers in terms of line drive rate were uh really really horrendous this year we're talking like upper 20s mm-hmm. and if his findings are to be believed that pitchers cannot really all that much control their year over year drive line drive rate then what that would tell us is that he would probably regress to the better next year. Right. And that's nice thought. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, yeah. But, but, but on the whole, I've had some, I was like, it can't be the simple, right? Doubts about them. Um, and then, you know, this is the third team in a row. Like, is, is, it, is coaching real? Like, it should be like, yeah, you idiot. What are you talking about? <laughs> of course coaching's real. Um, but like, uh, not just the, like everything else. Not just the manager. Easy, right? Though, right? I mean, I think that's an important point. You're talking about systemic coaching from the minor league system to a philosophy to um, bullpen coaches and bench coaches and, and uh, you know, everybody coaches being like on the same health page. People. Yeah, right. Strength and conditioning people, uh, all of it. Nutritionists, probably as well. I mean, who knows? So that undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Um, so yeah, and, and there's not a fan graphs page for that stuff, which to your point makes it harder <laughs> to quantify and understand. And we might not even have that information unless somebody happens to mention it in an interview. Um, so yeah, all good questions. I do want to make sure that you get a chance to talk a little bit about the AL East. And, and the only reason that I think it's important is because it, it feels like, um, there's a chance that we're seeing a power shift in that division where the Red Sox and Yankees are kind of the the historic 
favorites to win the division. And I, I don't know. I mean, this year it looks like you've got uh, a, a team in Tampa Bay and a team in Toronto that uh, look built for the future. So it might be a rough stretch for Red Sox and Yankee fans for a while, which is great for the game. It's not great for fandom if you happen to be a fan of one of those teams, but it is great for the game to see uh, some different organizations kind of rising to the top. So what are your thoughts on the AL East? So we've been talking a little about coaching. I'm sure there are coaching elements going on in Toronto to a degree. There have to be in in Tampa. Yeah, Have you seen what they do with relievers? (laughs) Right. It's kind of weird and a little bit unsettling, actually, how quickly (laughs) they can make guys be really bad by getting them off their team, not just making them good by getting them on their team. Mm -hmm. Something is very up there. Um, Hello, Shane Baz. Baz. (laughs) Baz. Shane Baz. It's Molly Baz, formerly of Bon Appetit, and Shane Baz, Baz. currently of the Tampa. Shane Baz. Oh, my God. It's okay. Oh, my God. We're off to see the wizard. from this. (laughs) Um, Yes. Um, So, where I'm going with this, though, is in the AL East, some of the problems seem like they are bigger than players. We mm-hmm. talked about uh, Joey Gallo earlier. Yeah. Um, Joey Gallo is good at baseball, by the way. Uh, just want to say that out loud in case anyone was wondering. Uh, he's good at baseball. <laughs> We're not equivocating. Uh, he's had a bad stretch, but that's not, that doesn't mean that we think he's not good at the game. Bad. Yeah. yeah he's, he's still very good. Um, I think the problems in New York and to a degree in Boston are bigger than coaching. Uh, and this is like, how would you know and how would you care? So like all the stuff that we've looked at, it, it seems like this cannot be random. And that's kind of like the, the, the culmination of it all. All of these like people who are settling into 75th or like 90th percentile outcomes on the same team all at once, that can't be luck at some point. Mm-hmm. There has to be a missing variable in its coaching. Well, for the Yankees, it feels like the missing variable has to be one player bigger. Um, it's not just like, you know, like batting coaching or pitching coaching. I actually do believe that the Yankees have some relatively smart people who are doing some of their pitching coaching, by the way. Um, they had quite a few guys who have looked pretty good, made some real improvements uh, that are not named Araldus Chapman. And mm-hmm. yeah, no, like, I actually do think that they've, they've got infinite money. Of course they should hire people who are <laughs> coaching. They, they act, and they made a pitching coaching change in the past couple of years. And it seems like it's paying off. Um, I, really wonder though and i kind of have for a hot minute about whether or not the yankees who have by the way one of the most dinosaur-esque front offices Mm. uh one of the longest tenured and that's really what it's come down to is you know like uh we often joke that like the most important sabermetrician or analyst or data dude or whatever they want to you call it uh is the guy who convinces the guy with the money to do something about it yeah right and um you know some of the ways the yankees have been underperforming things seem very suspect you know they're the team that haven't we've talked about this earlier they have a very obvious lefty friendly home park they don't make much out of it at all with a right-handed heavy lineup if you look at the sort of like decisions they made about um and and some of those right-handed people as well it's also very curious like you know probably like let's be clear if you're the yankees do, do you think that you the team that probably has among the highest influences about how like major league baseball is run one of the strongest hands about like what it is that like manfred's regime would want to do because you're the money enablers do you think you don't know that the ball's gonna be juiced when you're re-signing dj lemayhu who (laughs) very obviously hit a whole lot of just barely over the wall home runs like do you not have any sort of internal data that's telling you that glaber torres 
is not the dude who hit a bajillion home runs almost exclusively against the Orioles. <laughs> you know, those are the sorts of like, it seems like there are some organizational failures within that team that need some reckoning. And it, it really does seem as though the teams that are willing to try to be more than just better funded or grittier are excising all of the worst parts of those and getting significantly better for it. Yeah. And I really do think like some of those ALEs power shifts, the money is close enough that stupid can make the difference. And yeah. Now, and the reason we care about this, by the way, is that I'm going to draft Aaron Judge again next year because I like to draft Aaron Judge <laughs> because everyone thinks he's going to get hurt and he's just so damn good when he plays that if he's on your IL for three or four weeks, you can just pick up someone else and that make up the difference and you'll still be fine. Um, that's like one of my ongoing beliefs about like fantasy is that we're yeah, too really talented to do players plus whoever fills in with them for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, that, that's where that still comes um, out better than drafting somebody else. But if the Yankees are stupid and, you know, guys like you know, Aaron Hicks was like batting third for like the first third of the season for them. Like yeah. Aaron Hicks is okay. He's like the only left-handed player on their team though for a minute, like of note. Like they were platooning two right-handed first basemen at one point between Luke Voigt and Mike Ford. And it's just the sort of thing where like at the deadline, they finally went and got, and got some lefties and that problem sort of sadly rectified itself. But it seems like those guys have their own issues of different sorts. You really have to wonder, and I'm using them more of as the case here than the Red Sox, who would seem like they have one level higher of like, just like, hey, let's spend our money kind of stupid because... Fenway Sports Group likes Liverpool better, I guess, than the Red Sox. <laughs> is that a problem that you have ever run into? Is that you're worried that your sports ownership group prefers the soccer team and not the baseball team that they're named after? Um, no, 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 no. I, I honestly haven't had an enormous problem with like ownership. It, I think it's just more the pressure of being in a market where you can't actually rebuild. Uh, you can't really do a rebuild. And so when you get caught trying to please the fan base without, um, when you, what you really need to do is rebuild your system. Um, I think, I honestly think that's a very difficult spot to be in. Whereas with the Yankees, it seems as though they did go out and get the players. They just didn't necessarily build the team around what it should have been built around. But I mean, either way, the end result is the same. Yeah. The the end result is the same. So I guess who really cares, right? If you're a fan, you're watching your team struggle and then win and then struggle and then win. And then, you know, get passed by these other teams who kind of have their stuff together a little bit more. Um, At the end of the day, it's still frustrating. Yeah. I think if we can kind of sum up some of the things that we're talking about here, you know, when you're trying to win some sort of gambling anything at all right if you're like like, again to like to talk about like some of like the multi-way like in-game parlays that the no free ads um like gambling sports books that advertise in every podcast seemingly these days offer Mm -hmm. like you're trying to bet on multiple things that are correlated with each other because if you're right, then your winnings increase by a whole lot. Mm-hmm. If you think your team is going to win, then you maybe also bet on, you know, the good players to succeed. That's sort of obvious stuff. Yeah, right, right, right. right, um, right. Well, if you're like a similar idea of that, though, is like if you think that, you know, Aaron Judge, you know, is worth drafting. It's, it's important to care about all of the other factors around him. 
um, where he should go, how good he's going to be, how many counting stats he's going to put up, things like that. His return on investment is deeply affected by things like how stupid or unstupid the organization he plays for is. Not just how talented you know, it is, because yeah. like, things like them not being able to teach people how to run the bases efficiently is really killing his RBI totals. Sure, yeah. I mean, and, especially in baseball, yeah. individual performance is, is buried a lot more than it is maybe in some other sports. So yeah. point well yeah. made. He cannot drag that team to a playoffs anymore that Shohei Otani can. But trust me, his teammates can drag something, something Somebody bad down. base running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I hear your point. Um, and I think it's well made. You know, it, it, the cast of characters, the setting, the context, that stuff really matters in in baseball. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but you correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like a place where individual performance can kind of cover some of that that other stuff um if you've got a superstar player or two you can kind of put the ball in their hands maybe even hockey a little bit you have a couple of really really highly skilled players they can they can cover a deficit whereas on on a baseball team i mean unless you're hitting hitting bombs all the time and and you really can't do it by yourself yeah this sounds like a fun discussion for another day about the difference between weak weak link and strong link and just kind of like well, law of averages sports. Sure. But. but also sports where you play on both sides of the ball too, which is another another thing. And in baseball you do play defense and offense, but pitching versus hitting, um, you know, those are very, very <sighs> yeah. different uh situations. Anyway, uh I again the theme tonight seems to be belaboring points. So uh maybe this is a good time for us to call it and uh and thank everybody for listening. And you know, uh, I got one one more unanswered question. Okay. Um is is this going to matter at all? Is are we going to have baseball next year? Uh that's I mean that is a a huge huge question. I I hope so. Um but I don't know. I one of the things I had for off the books was talking about the uh the grievance that the um the players filed uh, against uh the league for the shortened season being too short. Um, and obviously the, the labor disputes that have existed, um, coming to a head, uh, could definitely, could definitely cause a problem. I I mean, I hope not. I think it would be horrible for the game for there to be a work stoppage, but, um, I also think it's going to take something like that to get players more of what they are owed and some better conditions. So if that's what it takes to get, to get there, then it's, I guess it's worth it in the end. I don't think it's good for the love of the game for it to be absent. I think it already kind of struggles for popularity. Um, and I know what happened the last time. I mean, the last time that they, they, they went on strike, you were, were you in existence? I'm not um, sure. The, the last strike I remember was basketball one. Uh, so yeah, but I think that I, I don't know if I existed last time yeah. there was that. So I, I mean, Mind I do get, no, yeah, go ahead. I mean, Sorry. I, I was born in February. <laughs> yeah okay. does, does that really count um i was 14 i think 14 when the last player strike happened and it was it was hard i mean then they did the whole replacement players thing and that was bizarre and um it really did and i back then i was i mean i'm uh, so into into baseball and i'm not saying like i don't care now but um so in how in the way that 14 year old anybody gets into the thing that they're into I was into baseball and it was hard for me to like not have a little bit of, of sour grapes about it. Um, obviously not understanding the intricacies of it, 
but I, I really think it would be a, a tough hit to the game. Um, but you know what? If owners aren't going to budge and situations are going to be what they are, then I mean, what else do you expect the players to do? I suppose. So anyway, I, I think, um, all I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask repeatedly, but the, all I'm going to ask this, uh, winter uh, of people like us is to, uh, look at this with clear eyes and not just with sentimentality about how much baseball they want to see. Um, yeah, I mean, it's because, a fair point. The re- yeah, there's the reality that's, that's of the it. human beings involved, right? And that's that always yeah. matters more than my entertainment value. Um, what I what I guess what I'm getting at is less like I need to see baseball and they need to figure it out so that I'm not deprived of that. And more, I don't want to see this this game that I love take any more of a PR hit. Um, and and. those sorts of problems get compounded but um you're absolutely 100 percent right the humanity that's behind all of this matters more than anything else you know i I think about it this way um i don't think there's a uh a single thing that um for example uh chris bryant uh could have done differently to have uh, made the game look better um all the reasons why it looks bad are ultimately because his team kept him and all the other teams kept a lot of other players in the minor leagues a lot longer than they probably should have and done a lot of other things uh to signal to their fans that they care more about other things than winning and i'm sure a whole lot more people would watch the game regularly if a whole lot more teams tried to win more often yeah and that would be in everyone's best interest if all of the things that teams have eked out gray area contractually to do like if those things went away because you cannot trust teams that are you know have million and billion dollar margins on the line billion dollars in aggregate you know yeah um to to make good decisions when they could just do that instead and you get rid of those choices for them um and we would have a better game and i i am going to be watching carefully about which people this off season are cheering on a bad future just because they want to be able to cheer on someone playing baseball yeah those are all fair points and i think that is the perfect place to bring this episode to an end um thank you again for listening at home thank you alexander as always for being a part of this and if you could go ahead and let the people know where they can find us well they can find you on twitter at the corked mat i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.